to 15. Still not on? Yes, it is. Just takes a while. Okay. Well, if you weren't with us last week, I started a new short series, four-part series, entitled The Blessing of Abraham. And if you weren't with us last week, where were you? No, I'm only joking. Only joking. <laughs> Everybody's giving their excuse now. As you know, I, I, I'm a great believer in the thought that every New Testament truth and doctrine, every major truth, is illustrated in the Old Testament. And that's why the life of Abraham is so rich because it illustrates for us a picture of someone who is justified by faith in Christ. You know that Abraham looked forward to Jesus, the seed that would come and was made righteous. And then also he's a picture of the blessings that come from being righteous with God. And that's why we're looking at this series together. Uh, just if I can quickly recap from last week, we, we talked about the fact that that word bless, Baruch or Barak, means to empower someone to prosper, to be empowered to prosper in all areas of our lives. God has empowered us to know his favor and his blessing, his increase, his prosperity in all areas of our lives. And, and, and really we need to get this, that we are blessed to be a blessing. Amen? We, we are blessed so that we can share that love and that life of God, that favor of God with those around us. If we, if we just internalize it and it ends with us, we just will implode. And I thank God for, for those in, in the faith movement who have brought some truths to our attention that were hidden for a long time, especially faith righteousness. But sadly, I think a lot of our friends just kind of internalized that and, and it became a greed thing. The more I believe, the more I can have for myself. Hey, we are blessed incredibly, but we're blessed to be a blessing. Amen. We're blessed to be carriers of God's purpose and program and life to the world. And that's, there's more blessing in that than just being greedy, if I can use that word. Now, the foundation of blessing is a right relationship with God. Abraham was blessed because he was made righteous with God. And we saw that, you know, when God created Adam and put him in the garden before the fall, all that Adam had to do was to tend the garden and it would bring forth its fruit. It would yield its fruit. But when the curse came in, he had to toil. He had to fight and combat the weeds. The sweat of his brow is working away, trying to make it happen. That's the curse. Under the curse of the law, we have to toil or to work for what God originally gave us. Amen? But when we are brought into righteousness with God, thank God we're delivered from the toil. Jesus said, look at the, the flowers of the field. They toil not. They don't toil. They don't sweat. They don't struggle. But look at the beauty of them. 
And, and that's the grace of God. That's the blessing of God. We tend, we do our part, but we're not anxious, we're not driven, we're not striving because we're not cursed, we're blessed. Praise God. Now, I want to look today at what are the blessings of Abraham? Are they spiritual or are they material? Are they present or are they future? Now, actually, I can only answer one of those questions today. I was going to try and cram a lot in today, but, but I don't want to do that. I don't want to rush. And so I'm just going to look at the first part of that today. The blessings of Abraham, are they spiritual or are they material? Because some people say this. This is a, a common doctrine, that in the Old Testament, the blessings were material, but in the New Testament, the blessings are spiritual. But, you know, you can't really say that if you study the Word of God correctly because Abraham was blessed both spiritually and materially and we are blessed both in the in in the spiritual realm and also in the material realm so I want to talk about that this morning Abraham was blessed first of all with righteousness now we saw last week that that means that <coughs> that God did not impute sin unto Abraham we saw that how incredibly, even when he made mistakes, even when he sinned against God, God blessed him. Now there are circumstances for our mistakes. There are circumstances for, for sowing to the flesh. If you sow to the flesh, you shall from the flesh reap corruption. Not from God. God does not curse us. God does not judge us. God does not punish us. God blesses us. And we saw that even in his mistakes, he came out of Egypt overflowing with blessings. Flocks and herds and, and servants and silver and gold that were heaped upon him, even in the midst of his failure. Now, we've got to, that's got to be established in our heart, friends, because otherwise, every time something goes wrong in your life and my life, we'll always be looking over our shoulder thinking, was it because I did this? God is catching up with me. God is punishing me because of that. God is chastening me because of that. And we'll always be going down that track. But friends, God will never, never impute your sin to you because he's imputed your sin fully to Christ. Now he's constantly imputing the righteousness of God to you. And because you are righteous, you are blessed. I mean, I think if many of us were honest, friends, we'd look at our lives and, and it's almost like the times that we least deserve the blessings of God. That seems to be when we get blessed. Isn't that right? That's how it is in my life. It's almost like God is underlining something here so that we would really get a revelation of the fact that we are righteous. God does not impute sin to us. God remembers our sin no more under the new covenant. It's gone. It's finished. It's done with. That's the blessing of the new covenant. Now, what, 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 what else are the spiritual blessings of God? We could talk a lot about this, but I want to just really focus on one point. If you've got your Bibles open to Genesis chapter 15, and I'm going to give you a revelation here, and it's this, that Genesis chapter 15 comes after Genesis chapter 14. <laughs> Stick around, you'll learn a lot of things here. What happened in Genesis chapter 14? Well, in Genesis chapter 14, that was the situation where uh, Lot and the, uh, the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah and other cities were attacked by some kings that were in a confederation together. They took away all the people, all their goods. And then Abraham 
with his trained household servants, 318 of them, went to war against them and God gave him the victory miraculously. In fact, this is the first mention of a battle in, in the Bible. The first mention of war. Now there's the law of first mention, which is that there's always the seeds there of a significant lesson that God wants us to understand about warfare. And what is this? 318 household servants went to war against four kings and their armies and overcame them. What's the lesson? Very simple. It's not by might, it's not by power, it's by my spirit. Amen? That God gives us the victory. Now chapter 15 and verse 1 says, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. Now, what would be going through Abraham's mind after that event? The first thing would be, oh my goodness, what have I done? I've just made myself some trouble. I've just gone to war with four kings who have armies. They're going to come back at me. They're going to counterattack. They're going to go to war with me. And fear would have come into his heart. And God says to him, do not fear, Abraham. I am your shield. But another thing that happened then is that he brought all the spoil back and the king of Sodom, uh, Sodom said, it's yours. I give it all to you. But he gave it back to him. Now, I would say that there would be a thought going through his mind I wonder whether I should have kept that. <laughs> that could have set me up for life. That could have set me up for years to come. All that wealth, and I gave it away. It reminds me of a story of two men that were walking down the road, and this genie appeared. You know a genie out of the lamp? And said to one of the men, you can, you can have one of two things. You can either be blessed with infinite wealth or infinite wisdom. What do you want? And the man thought for a while and the other man looked at him while he was thinking and he said, I'll have infinite wisdom. So puff, you know, and he's blessed with infinite wisdom. And the other man's looking at him and he says, well, what's the first pearl of wisdom that you're going to bring forth now that you have infinite wisdom? And he said, I should have taken the money. <laughs> and I, I think Abraham probably was like that. He's probably thinking... I should have taken it. But God came to him and said, Fear not, Abraham. Do not be afraid. I am your shield, your protection, and your exceedingly great reward. You know, one of the saddest things about Christianity, about Christians, and I include myself very much in this, is that often we seek the giver, or, or the gifts instead of the giver. We seek God for what he can give us and we fail to recognize that He is our exceeding great reward. Amen. Amen. That we can know the greatest treasure of all and be blessed and enriched in our lives through a, an intimate relationship with God. And if there's one thing that Abraham teaches us in terms of spiritual blessing, it is this thing of intimacy. Abraham was blessed with intimacy with God. Now we see this, I'm just picking up pieces from the life of Abraham. We see this in uh, Genesis chapter 18 and 19. 
You remember the story, those of you that are familiar with Genesis and the life of Abraham, that there was a time when Abraham was visited by three visitors, three men, the Bible says. But as the story goes on, you realize that these three men actually are God himself in human form and two angels. And they come to him and they talk with him. At, they come to him as men. They talk to him. They eat with him, have a meal with him. You know, when you discuss this with some Christians, they, they get all hung up on how can God and how can angels come down and eat food and live like, you know, where did they get their bodies from? Wrong questions, friends. Don't get hung up on things like that. That's not what God wants. God can do anything. Okay? God can do anything. End of story. Let's get the lesson. What is God teaching us here? God came down to earth and came to Abraham and spent the whole day with him. Because the Bible says that Abraham made him a meal. In fact, he said, just hang on while I fetch you a morsel of bread. Understatement, if ever there was one. He went to his wife, Sarah said, you need three uh, uh, cakes uh, and put them in the oven, bake them, and uh, I'll go and get a calf and we'll, we'll prepare that and we'll cook that and we'll do this and we'll get the butter and the milk and all this other stuff. The huge meal. Friends, in those days, that was an all-day event. There were no freezers you could go to, no microwave ovens. It was an all-day event. And, and so they came to Abraham... And they were with him for the whole day. They sat there and they had a meal together. And they had this intimate fellowship. Now, what did they talk about? Well, if I could say this, um, in fact, before we do that, let's just, let's just look at this verse here. Let's just have a look at um, this verse here. Which one are we using today? This one? Okay. Okay. God says, uh, Jesus said to his disciples, he said, no longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. There's something about friendship Friendship, friends, means intimacy. You share secret things with friends. You don't share them with everyone. You know, but those things that are really near and dear to your heart, you share with your friends. Now, what is it that God and Abraham shared together on that day? Well, you've got to read the whole of chapter 18 and the whole of chapter 19. But basically, if I could summarize those two things, first of all, they shared together something that was deeply upon Abraham's heart. That is the matter of a child. The promise that was given to him concerning a child. God knew what was in Abraham's heart. He knew how heavy that lay upon his heart. And God talked to him about that and said, you're going to have a child. About this time next year, you will have that son. Is that beautiful? He talked to him about something that was very important to his life. 
But then secondly, God talked to Abraham about something that was very heavy upon his heart. Now get this. God takes Abraham into his counsel and shares with him something that is very heavy upon his heart. The Bible says the secret of the Lord is with those who fear him. God shares his secrets with those who fear him. Now what was it that was upon God's heart? Well it was this, that the sin in the city of Sodom was so great, was so big, that figuratively it, it arose to God and God came down to see, as it were, if it was really that bad. In fact, while Abraham and God continue in fellowship, the two angels go down into Sodom. You know the story. And so God says, shall I hide from Abraham the thing that I'm about to do? No, I won't, because he's a friend. He's a friend. I'm going to share my secret with my friend. Now, there's one of the prophets that says that God, God doesn't do, or one of, one of the uh, scriptures that says that God does not do anything unless he first reveals it to his prophets. You know, it's amazing how uh, we had a spate of natural disasters, you know, cyclones and floods and earthquakes and tsunamis and that sort of thing. And all these self-styled prophets were popping up and said, that's the judgment of God upon that nation. Do you remember that? You know, <laughs> It's easy to say that afterwards. A prophet actually foretells. It's like me saying to you, at three o'clock this afternoon, I can tell you who's going to win the 2.30 race today. <laughs> Anyone can do that. That's news, that's not prophecy. Amen? But God was going to tell Abraham what he was about to do. How he was going to judge those cities. And so there's a reason for that. And that is so that he could take Abraham into his heart, into his plan, into his purpose, reveal his secrets with him so that he would be involved with him and even intercede in accordance with the will of God. That's what intercession is. It's not me seeing a need out there and, and coming against God and trying to get God to change his mind to do my will in that situation. That's not intercession. You know, it's not me kind of persevering and prevailing against God until he reluctantly gives in. Now, intercession starts with God. Your prayer is a circuit. It starts with God. God actually includes us mysteriously. I don't know why, but he includes us brings us into his counsel and we pray through the purposes of God. And Abraham, in fact, um, uh, let's just have a look. I've still got the wrong one. <laughs> Paul says this in the, in, in the New Testament. Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. So the Holy Spirit gets involved with us and we get involved with him. And he's praying through us and we're praying through him. Amen? That's prayer. It's a circuit. 
It starts with God, it comes through us and it goes back to God and somehow God works out his purposes through intercession and prayer with those that he takes into his counsel. Now, God was going to tell Abraham about what he was going to do in Sodom. Why didn't he tell Lot? Lot was the one that was living there. It had more to do with Lot than it had to do with Abraham. In fact, it had a lot to do with Lot. <laughs> but here's the thing. Abraham was a friend of God. Lot was a friend of the world. Amen. He had the same opportunity. He was a righteous man. It says it in the Old Testament. It says it in the New Testament. He was a believer. It took me a long time to understand that. I used to preach him as, as, a, as a, an unsaved man. But he's not. He's a, he was a saved man. But living well below his privileges. Living as a carnal man. Amen. And a warning to carnal Christians, if I can say that. Now, God takes Abraham into his counsel. And you know the story. Many of you who are Bible scholars know that Abraham, you know, God says, I'm going to destroy these cities. And Abraham starts interceding. He said, but what if there was 50 righteous in the city? Would you spare those cities for the sake of the 50 righteous? And God said, I would, I would spare the city. If there are 50 righteous in the cities, I would spare those cities. And you know, he said, well, what if there was five lacking? Just five short of the 50. 45. For the sake of the five lacking, would you destroy those cities? No, I would save the cities if there were 45 righteous. And he keeps on interceding. You know the story. He goes down, 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 down to 10. Now, we can speculate, and that's all it is. I'm not sharing this as doctrine, but why did he start at 50 and why did he end at 10? And incidentally, when he finished off at 10, God didn't say to him, now that's enough. I'm not going any lower than that. He didn't say that. I believe that Abraham thought there were at least 10 righteous people in Sodom. And I'll explain that in just a moment. Now, there were five cities of the plains. So if there were 10 righteous in one city, maybe there were 10 in this city, 10 in that city, 10 in that city, and 10 in that city. But as he began to intercede, he shared with God only from his own knowledge. And his own knowledge was of Lot. Now you think about it. There was Lot, his wife, his sons, he had at least two sons because the angel said, are there any others here? Your sons, bring them out. Your sons, okay. Daughters, he had two married daughters because he had sons-in-law, plural, amen. At least two sons, uh, married daughters and sons-in-law. And two unmarried daughters. Because you remember he, he said that wicked thing when the, the men came against the door. Here's my daughters, they've never known a man. Daughters, plural. Virgins. So he had at least ten in his family. And probably Abraham thought, surely Lot has won his family to the Lord. At least his family has influenced his family. There would be ten righteous in that city. 
and maybe 10 in the next city, 10 in the next, 10 in the next, and 10 in the other city. But then he just brought it right down to maybe 10 in, in Sodom. Now, friends, God, God gave Abraham in that prayer everything he agreed. He, he asked for two things. Number one, that God would save the cities for the sake of 10 righteous people. But there weren't 10 righteous people. Amen. There were only four that came out of the city, actually. Lot, his wife, and his two unmarried daughters. There were only four that came out. And I conclude that they were the four righteous ones because God will not judge the righteous with the wicked. That's a principle in the word of God. When judgment falls, he will not judge the righteous. That's why when these calamities take place and Christians die in them, that is not the judgment of God. God will never slay the righteous with the wicked. So, four righteous come out. And Abraham said to him, don't, don't slay the wicked for the sake of ten righteous. But there weren't ten righteous. But the second thing he asked is that he would not slay the righteous with the wicked. And he didn't. He brought the righteous out. What an incredible thing. What an incredible thing that we today can be brought into the counsel of God. You know, friends, at times we, 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 we think we understand what's happening in the world by watching the news, keeping up to date with current affairs. But you know what really is happening in the world is what is happening in God's program. That's where we need to be. That's where our eyes need to be. That's where our heart needs to be engaged and connected with God's program for this world in these times. Because we are blessed to be a blessing. And one of the incredible favours that we have as the church of God is the privilege of intimacy with God. But it's a choice. Amen. God doesn't force it upon us. And Jesus' letter to the Laodiceans indicates that. There we see Jesus standing outside the church, knocking on the door, saying, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens, I will come into him and sup with him. Just as he supped with Abraham, had supper with Abraham. I'll come in, we'll have quality time together. I'll talk to you about the things that are on your heart, the things that are weighing heavy upon your heart. We'll fellowship together. We'll talk about that. And you know what? I'll share with you what's on my heart. Isn't that fantastic? Now, I'm going to share something with you which I've shared before, but I just like to share it again. <laughs> Luke chapter 11. Because, you know, Jesus often repeated things. So it doesn't matter if I repeat things. Paul often repeated things. And Peter. He says, I write these things to remind you. So it doesn't matter if I repeat things. It doesn't matter if I repeat things. It doesn't matter if I repeat things. <laughs> Some of you have heard me share this before, but I, I get a thrill every time I read it. You know, Abraham was a friend of God, but there is someone 
we're in a closer relationship with God than even being his friends. Jesus said, I don't call you servants anymore because a servant doesn't know what his master's called. I called you friends. He only used that term once before the cross. And he never, never used that term after the cross because we are now sons of God. Amen? That's even more intimate than friends. Let's have a look at that in chapter 11 of Luke, verse 2. He said to them, when you pray, say, what? Our Father. You know, the Jews never used that term, Abba. Never used it. It's too intimate. Jesus said, when you pray, say, our Father. Okay, verse 5. And he said to them, which of you shall have a friend? And go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, Lend me three loaves, for a, a friend of mine has come to me on his journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within and say, Do not trouble me, the door is now shut. My children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give to you. I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. So I say to you, ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it will be open to you. Now, what, that's, what that seems to be saying, and this is how I was taught, especially when I first got saved and we went to the prayer meeting, is look, keep knocking on heaven's door. He'll give in in the end. <laughs> He'll give in. Keep worrying. Give him no rest. That's some of the things that were saying. Yay. Uh, was it Israel? Give him you, was, you know the scriptures, give him no rest. Give him no, keep on knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door. You know, God in the end reluctantly said, oh, for goodness sake, what is it? Here, get out of here. That's the picture we had of God. But it's not, that's not the end. Verse 11, if a son... See, he's going on, he hasn't finished talking. That's one picture. But if a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a servant instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. See, here's the thing, friends. We're more than friends of God. The friend lives next door. He's not inside the house. He's got a relationship. He's got a friendship. But, hey, don't come at midnight. I won't be in a good mood. I'll tell you to go away. Or you're going to have to knock a long time to wake me up. But, you know, the son lives in the house. The son can get up and go to the fridge or go to the food cupboard anytime he wants. In fact, in this story, it says that the man says, go away, I'm in bed with my children. <laughs> the children are on the inside of the house, not outside. Amen. This is new covenant, friends. We're in, we are part of the father's household and family. We have this incredible intimacy and so... Sure, there are spiritual blessings. In fact, Paul says, we are blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus in the heavenly places. Hallelujah. 
Okay, let's move on. What about material blessings? Now, I want to share something with you here. First of all, I said last week that, you know, when Abraham came out of Egypt, he came out with many flocks and herds, male, female servants, silver, gold. He came out with great riches. He was blessed materially. Now, let's go to Genesis chapter 14. I, I've preached on this many times. This is that chapter that I just referred to where um, Abraham goes after those kings who had captured the inhabitants of Sodom before it was destroyed, of course, and the other cities, including his nephew and everything they had. And then he meets up with Melchizedek. Now, we, we, we often look at this passage because it mentions there that Abraham gave tithes to Melchizedek. So a lot of people, you know, that are into tithing, so you see it's not just a law thing. They tithed before the law. Abraham tithed. Now, as I was reading this, I got something more out of this that I'd never seen before. I want to share it with you. It's this. As Abraham was coming back with everything he'd retrieved into the city. The Bible says that the king of Sodom came out to meet him. That's the first thing. But Melchizedek intercepted them. He got there first. So the king of Sodom was coming out to meet him. That's a very important point. He was coming to meet him, but Melchizedek came out first. He came out in the valley of Sheba, Shava, which is the king's valley, or the Kidron Valley. The Kidron Valley is between the city of Jerusalem and the Mount of Olives. So, you know, Melchizedek is a real type of Christ. Remember Jesus came to the Mount of Olives? before he went to be crucified. Remember, that's where he spent time. So Melchizedek came before the king of Sodom could get to him and came to meet with Abraham. And the Bible says this, that he brought with him bread and wine. Okay, now we know that that's, they are symbols of the new covenant, the body and the blood of Jesus. But more than that, they're products of the ground, of the earth. Now that's important because then he goes on to bless him in a name that we've never read before in the Bible, El Elyon. He blessed him in the name of El Elyon, God the possessor of heaven and earth. So he blessed him with heavenly blessings and earthly blessings. Amen. And the bread and the wine symbolize both. They symbolize, as Chris has shared with us today, spiritual blessings that we it is finished Jesus has paid the price and we now live from the riches of his grace but also they are products of the earth and we are blessed with earthly things amen now then we read that Abraham gave tithes of everything now the first question you've heard me ask this before <laughs> For those that would argue that you've got a tithe to be blessed, what come first, the blessing or the tithe? The blessing was first. He'd already blessed him. The tithe was not a condition to him being blessed. 
Second question, whose goods did he tithe on? Not his. I mean, that's easy to tithe on somebody else's money. In fact, why don't we take up another offering and just help yourself to the person next to you, just reach in for their wallet and we'll take up, give generously, give abundantly, you will give just abundantly and generously, I'm sure, when it's somebody else's. But why did he do that? Now look at this very carefully. This is what God showed me. I'd never seen this before until yesterday. Before, okay, well, the king of Sodom was coming out to meet him. Melchizedek got there before. Abraham gave him tithes after the blessing. Okay. Now, the king of Sodom said to him, when he got there, he said, you take everything because it's yours. You got the victory. You got all this. This is all because of you. Now, what he said was this. No way. Because I swore to God that I wouldn't take anything from you lest you say you made Abraham rich. Now, a lot of commentators, they get in this as they say, he wouldn't take from the world. Hang on a minute. He took from the king of Egypt when he was down there. He took from the king of the Philistines in Genesis chapter 20. Oh yes, he took from the world. That's not what that was about. Here's what it's about. The king of Sodom wanted to give the glory to Abraham. And Abraham says, all the glory goes to the Lord. He got this victory. And that's why I'm tithing <laughs> on your redeemed goods so that you will honour the Lord with the first fruits of your substance. You will give honour to God who got this victory. I swore to the Lord when I went to battle, Lord, give me the victory. Give me the victory. It's not by mine, it's not by Paris, by your spirit. And when I come back, I will not take anything from the king of Sodom because if I take from the king of Sodom, who's giving it to me in recognition of my victory, then I'm endorsing that thought. And others will believe that I got the victory. But Lord, it's you that got the victory. I won't take anything from the king of Sodom because that would just endorse that thought that I actually got the victory with my 318 men. This is your victory, Lord. Amen? Praise God. What a tremendous thing. Now, okay, moving on. Was Abraham blessed? Yes, he was. He was continuously blessed. <coughs> Continu continuously blessed. We just, it's not working for some reason. Can you, can you, are you able to do it manually? Just to the next verse. Is it, is it frozen, is it? Okay, here we are. Okay, this is, this is uh, right at the end of Abraham's life, okay? Now, Abraham was old, well advanced in age, and the Lord blessed Abraham in all things. 
Remember that we said that word blessing means to be blessed in every area. Now, what happened then is he sent his servant back to the land where he came from to find a wife for his son Isaac. Okay, and this is what the servant said to Rebekah's father. Maybe you just go to the next one. The Lord has blessed my master greatly. And he's become great. And he's given him flocks and herds, silver and gold, male and female servants, and camels and donkeys. He was blessed, friends. The blessing of God includes the blessings of the earth. Remembering that we're blessed to be a blessing. Now, what about Isaac? Go to the next verse. Then Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. The man began to prosper and continued prospering until he became very prosperous, for he had possessions of flocks and possessions of herds and a great number of servants, so the Philistines envied him. Can you see, friends, the blessings of Abraham are the blessings of heaven and of earth, the spiritual blessings and material blessings. Okay, let's look at Jacob. Jacob went out of the land of Israel with just a staff in his hand, just a stick of wood, and he went to uh, Laban, do you remember? And he worked there for 20 years. Next verse. And it says this, Thus the man began, became exceedingly prosperous and had large flocks of female and male servants and camels and donkeys. And when he came back to the land of Israel, Esau caught up with him, and uh, um, Jacob gave him a blessing. Next verse. And he said, please take my blessing that is brought to you because God has dealt graciously with me and because I have enough. Now, what does that mean to you and I? Well, first of all, it means this. At the very basic level, that under the new covenant, God will meet all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Now that very clearly is talking about your temporal needs, your, your material needs, not your spiritual needs. You look at the context. My God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. That's the blessing of righteousness. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and what? His righteousness and what? All these things will be added to you. What things? If you look at the context, he's talking about Food and clothing, the basic needs. Don't worry about what you shall eat, what you should drink, what you shall wear. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. So the very basic undertaking in the new covenant is that God will meet all our needs according to his riches and glory. But remember this, we are blessed to be a blessing. So God wants to bless us beyond that. So we look at the next verse, and it says this, that God is able to make all grace abound to you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things, which is what I've just shared with you, may have an abundance that's an overflow for every good work. God wants to take you into his counsel and share with you how you can be involved with his purpose and his plan and the outworking of his program in the earth. Isn't that fantastic? 
That's the blessing of the new covenant. It, because the two are intertwined. You know, I've discovered this. I've been in ministry for 38 years pastoring. And can I say this? You can't do a lot without money. If you want to spread the word of God, you want to, you want to get books out there, you want to give Bibles, you want to send missionaries to go, you want to give DVDs, CDs, you want to set up programs and so on, it costs money. Amen. And God will take you into his counsel and reveal his purpose to you that you might be a blessing so that all your needs are met. But you just, just, you know, we don't get down that track where, oh, now I can believe for a bigger house or, or, or a better car or more money in my bank account. That's greed, friends. That's covetousness. We're not a part of that. We believe that God will meet all our needs according to his riches in glory. Then give us an abundance, an overflow for every good work. Praise God. Okay, let's just quickly finish up with what about physical blessings? What about physical blessing? Just go back a minute. Just go back to the previous one. We'll just hang on there. Now, what we read concerning Abraham is that um, God said to him that he would live to a good old age. Not a crook old age. <laughs> Amen? A good old age. And uh, uh, we see that in the Word of God. We don't see any, any, any incident of sickness in his life and when we come across to the New Testament, we see that healing was a very major part of the ministry of Jesus. Um, you know, there was a time when a Syrophoenician woman, a Gentile woman, brought, was it her son that was sick and wanted Jesus to heal her and he, he didn't even acknowledge her, didn't even talk to her. And then he said, you know, it's not right for me to take the children's bread and give it to the dogs, which I'm sure there's an explanation to that. But, you know, healing is the children's bread. Amen. Now, who are the children? The children of who? The children of who? There's another incident where Jesus came to the synagogue and there was a woman in the synagogue and she had been bent over double for 18 years. And Jesus healed her. And the religious authorities criticized him because it was the Sabbath day. Now look at what Jesus said in response to that. He said, Ought not this woman being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound, think of it, for 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath. Healing is the children's bread. The children of who? The children of Abraham. Friends, you are the children of Abraham. You are the children. He is the father of us all. Now, we talked about material blessing. We live on a fallen planet. Do we have needs? Of course we have needs. Otherwise, Paul would never have said, God shall, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. Amen. We have needs, but we bring those needs to God and he meets those needs time and time and time again. Do we have sickness? Yes, I've been battling sickness this week, but I'm doing all right today. Amen? So far, so good? A oh, little whimper of a... Yeah, yeah, get on with it, get on with it, come on. <laughs> Amen. 
We, we, we do get sick. But healing is the children's bread. You only need to be healed if you're sick. <laughs> so Jesus taught us to pray, give us this day our daily bread. Amen. Now, again, let me just ask this question as we wind it all up. Why are we blessed with the blessing of healing? We're blessed to be a blessing. Now Paul says this, let's just have a look at this verse over here. He says this to the Corinthians. The body is not for sexual immorality. You remember they had a real problem with fornication, they were coming out of that. And Paul says the body is not for fornication, but the body is for the Lord and the Lord for the body. I love that. God is for your body. He's not against it. God is for your body. But hey friends, your body is for the Lord. God does not want you to have a healthy body that you might live in sin or might live selfishly in that body. The body is for the Lord. We are blessed to be a blessing. So Paul teaches this, that we present the members of our body as instruments of righteousness. Amen. Our feet take us to places where he wants us to go. Our hands reach out to people. Our lips speak words of grace. In fact, was it Paul, uh, Jesus says, and Paul says, um, uh, let your speech be with grace, that it, uh, it might minister grace to people. Amen? Our eyes focus on the knees. Our ears are attentive to what God is saying. Our mind is thinking godly thoughts, edifying thoughts. We we offer our members as instruments of righteousness. But then he says this, that we offer our body as a living sacrifice to the Lord. God is finished with dead sacrifices. As we've just heard, when Jesus died, it was the last one. He said, it's finished. God is not into dead sacrifices. He's now into living sacrifices. Amen. How do we... Offer our body to the Lord. Know what God wants you to do in your life. Serve Him. Serve Him. God's, God's call is upon every one of us. We're all anointed. The question is, what have you been anointed for? Give your body to serve the Lord. Because the Lord is for your body, and the body is for the Lord. We are blessed with believing Abraham. We are blessed with the blessings of Abraham. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we just thank you today for every good and every perfect gift that comes down from the Father above. Oh, you're a good God, Lord. Your gifts reflect your goodness to us. Your blessings, they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, Lord, to each one of us. And I just pray that we will go out of this place with a sense of being under the blessing and the favor of God but also on a mission, Lord, knowing that we are blessed to be a blessing in this world. Lord, I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.